1: Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to Last Night in the Association, our NBA recap show. Uh, Online tonight is my favorite point guard. Uh, He definitely had his lucky rabbit's foot out last night for this NBA draft ladder. It's Will Stacks. Will, say what's happening.
0: Will Stacks in the house. What's
1: What's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, we got Jigger bringing us in Jay Z, Mister Four Four Four. Uh, I I like to call him Mister Knowles at this point in time. Uh, but we'll talk about why Jay Z is bringing us in. But real quick, you have always been a
0: bigger Jay Z fan between the two of us. Most definitely, he's, yeah. a, he's a he's a he's a quality entertainer. As far as his lyrics are are polished, solid delivery. Uh, Jay Z is definitely uh. He's way up there on the hip-hop scale. Yeah, I know. I know. Right, we've had some debates. A shout-out to uh, our boy Ron mm-hmm. Wallace as
1: well. We've had these debates about Jay-Z uh, oftentimes over many, many beers, but uh, another story for a different podcast. All right, so we're down to the Final 4 I'm surprised that the NBA hasn't cop some version of a Final Four type of thing when they get down to the last few teams. We're into the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals pretty much to chalk in the West, uh, the one and two seeds make it. And in the East, we get the, uh, I guess, the two and the three seeds wind up making it into the finals. We're going to talk about these games uh, a little bit um, and then kind of get some predictions moving forward because things are happening a lot. All right, so Eastern Conference playoffs. uh, The Cavs are down 2 low. Let's look back at game one, though. The Cavs put on an absolutely dismal performance on Sunday afternoon. I mean. They didn't look like they were ready to play. They didn't look like they had any energy to play, even though they were off for six days, just like the Celtics. Just an absolutely sad performance.
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. They came out just very lethargic. Uh, nothing uh, seemed to have any flow, any rhythm to it. The game just started off with the first couple baskets they hit. Uh, but then uh I gigantic run by the Celtics, and it was pretty much a wrap from that point. I'll say at the end of the first quarter, you know, he would never admit it, but I would have uh, bet LeBron said, "Ah, you know what, I think we're going to chuck this game and uh, look forward to the next one." game two, which didn't fare much better. We'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, after the first quarter, it wasn't a whole lot of life from the Cavaliers, and, um, you know, it definitely showed. Yeah, the final score wound up being 108-83, to and it really wasn't that close. Uh, I think the Cavs
1: got 18 points in the first quarter. They were down by, uh, I think, 18 at the start of the first quarter. I mean, it was just over from the beginning. Uh, Some of the pundits out there put it as a a LeBron probing game uh, as he's gone through the Eastern Conference over these years. You know, sometimes these game ones tend to be him laying back, trying to see what the lay of the land is, and trying to figure out what that team's going to do against him. So game one looked like, a, allegedly, at least to some of the pundits, was a probing game, uh, but it, just nothing worked out. He winds up with 15 points.
0: Uh, definitely a fair assessment. I think LeBron sometimes wants to see what uh, he's going to get from his teammates before he starts to assert himself. And uh, he didn't get anything from his teammates in game one, uh, nor did he really contribute much himself. So I think the Cavaliers just weren't ready. To start the series. You mentioned six days off. Uh, may have been too long for them after uh, a hot series coming uh, from dismantling the Raptors. Maybe it would have been better for uh, Cleveland if it was a shorter layoff. Although LeBron said he wanted rest, maybe a shorter layoff uh, might have paid better dividends for the Cavaliers. Celtics D up everybody. Uh, Marcus
1: Morris has become what we call used to call the Jordan stopper for Joe Dumars. Uh, now he's supposed to be the LeBron stopper. Really, it's just the slowing down. He does a good game, has a great game, outperforms him and points as well as he gets 23 points. And so the Celtics win Game One rather handily, um, rather handily, and they get all contribute, you know, all the contributions from there from the players they're supposed to get them from. And so now we know setting up game two. And I think I put out this weird stat or whatever that uh, LeBron James' teams, after losing game one, win at a 72% clip. And you knew you were going to get video game LeBron going into game two. Like everybody knew it. There wasn't going to be no loss of energy. And we do get that, especially in the first quarter. LeBron goes off for 21 points in the first quarter. Uh, But they are only up by seven points at halftime after LeBron just absolutely goes off. Um, and we'll get to why maybe he plays such a, a four second half in a second. But, I mean, we, everybody had to see this coming, including the Celtics.
0: Oh, I think the Celtics knew. Brad Stevens knew. Everybody in the building uh, knew they're in Boston. Uh, you know, LeBron came out, did his thing. He set a tone immediately. Uh, in the first quarter, uh, hoping that when he set the tone, he would get some of his teammates to jump on. Uh, Kevin Love contributed a little bit as well, but it just wasn't enough. You know, LeBron 42 uh, with the triple-double, um, but he worked very hard to get that 42, especially early, and uh, maybe he was uh, tuckering a little bit at the end. But, uh, you know, probably from midway through the third quarter, uh, to the rest of the game, you could see the flow of the game headed towards the Boston direction, you know. Probably Marcus Smart uh, was a emotional leader, if anything else. He hit some nice buckets, but I think he is uh, he, he spurred the team on, if nothing else, to uh, give them the energy they wanted in front of the home crowd. And then, you know, of course, the young guns still doing their thing, Tatum and Brown, uh, they are outstanding. Standing, playing some outstanding ball and hey give it up to the celtics up
1: 2-0 over the caps yeah it you know watching that game last night i was i tweeted i was like mm, uh he's going off and hitting ridiculous shots i mean he's pull up threes turn around threes fading away, i mean everything was going down mm-hmm. in the first quarter and then there's a play under the basket you know just a 50-50 ball loose ball situation and uh I can't which, uh, which Celtics player again, is going for the ball kind of rubs him up across like the neck, shoulder, head area, and LeBron goes down. And I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about that. LeBron, I won't call him a flopper, but he definitely likes to over-dramatize things in a Ben Roethlisberger-like fashion, as I like to say it. And I thought we were going to get a Paul Pierce moment. He goes back to the locker room. He comes back out, you know, after, really after a TV timeout. But he definitely wasn't the same after the, the shot to the head.
0: Yeah, LeBron does milk uh, every uh, bit of contact for whatever he can. Uh, Who knows the severity? I I don't think it was as severe as it may have seemed. Um, You know, like I said, LeBron likes to get every bit out of the call he can. But uh, you make a quality point, there was a a seemed to be a difference. Uh, I think Boston may be sending a message that, uh, hey, we're here to play. We're going to be physical. You got to play our style or – that, that's the only way you're going to get to play. And uh, they are setting the tone in, in that fashion, and that led them to a, a Game 2 victory. Still undefeated at home uh, are the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. Tyrone Liu, after the game, said that the Celtics were
1: gooning it up. Uh, that's the quote. Um, Marcus Morris was like, yeah, I like that shit. Like, that's a good word. We're essentially doing everything that we can to try to win this game. Uh, Ty Liu complains about the – the Cavs not being physical enough. They make a lineup change and put the Kardashian curse in. He does help out. Um, definitely some second chance opportunities for the Cavs, but he's an offensive liability out on the floor when uh, the Celtics are out there, and you know essentially every player is an offensive uh, uh, threat at that point in time. Uh, just a real tough game for the Cavs, and you could see it slipping away as that went into the second half, and hey, you could just see it. Like man, they expended a whole lot of energy for a seven-point lead at halftime. And then the Celtics just chipped, chipped, chipped away. And at a point, you know, we got to see some of that classic Cavaliers regular season defense just open three-pointers and jump shots all over the place. The Cavs players 20, 23 feet away from, from the shooters and, you know, just open buckets going down. And that was pretty
0: much the end for the Cavs game, too. Yeah, just the defensive rotation by the Cavs. So, you know, that that's that's effort plays. Those are effort plays when you got to switch out and, rotate to, you know, at least uh put a hand in the face of the shooters. You just did not see that effort in the defensive rotation and the closeouts on the shooters, there there weren't any. Uh it was kind of a watch him shoot type of mentality and that's exactly what they did. And they watched the Celtics go up two O. But you gotta give it up too, Boston. You know, they're playing a style of basketball similar to what they've played all year. Do what you gotta do this time of year. Uh do what it takes to win. So uh, you got to like the way they're going. And, you know, I, a little, couple of quotes from the, the Cav locker room, um, you know, they said, oh, they're a well-coached team. Well-coached team. Is that a jab at Coach Ty Lue? they saying that Brad Stevens is doing a better job uh, than their coach. So, you know, that could be something that's looked at. Uh, but, you know, give it up to Brad Stevens. He's punching all the right buttons. He's getting contributions from all over. Uh, the team all over the court, you know, you mentioned uh, Morris as a LeBron stopper. It's definitely just not him. You know, he's definitely got some help. He's got, you know, Morris is guarding, Smart is guarding. You got Ojale off the bench guarding. Even Horford will switch off. You know, there's help all over the place on LeBron, not to mention Brown and Tatum, you know, taking their shots here and there. So, there's a lot of people trying to slow down. LeBron didn't do that uh, much, getting them 42, but doing enough to get the win. Uh, Boston is in a good position. But a series allegedly doesn't start until uh, the home team loses. So Boston did what they're supposed to do, held serve, won their first two. Now it's up to Cleveland to come home and do the same.
1: Like you said, they're 9-0 and at home, but 1-4 and on the road in these playoffs. So, once we get back there to Cleveland, uh, they get the ridiculous playoff schedule break, and they get, I think, until Saturday night, play Tuesday night and off until Saturday night. Uh, should definitely give the Cavs plenty of rest. Um, I'm not sure if we can get another, like, what is it, 42-12-10 that LeBron had and, and still not get any
0: help. They might be in the same boat. How much trouble are the Cavs actually in? Uh, The Cavs are in trouble, and I say they're in trouble from this standpoint. We mentioned the defensive or lack of defensive effort, Uh, it seems, especially in the second half. And that is something that plagued the Cavaliers earlier in the season. If you get that type of effort, it doesn't matter what LeBron does. If he puts up 50 plus, 25 and 12, it doesn't matter if you have that type of effort. LeBron. Uh, can't do all that himself. But, hey, LeBron needs to look himself in the mirror as well. He was part of those lack of rotations also, you know, on the defensive end. So uh, that's one thing they need to lock up a little better. They might get spurred by the uh, home crowd, get some home cooking on some calls. I know that's what Coach Lou is uh, hoping for when he made the gooning comment in the media. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they uh, they got some work cut out for them, you know. Boston's going to be in every game they play because of the style they play. So Boston, um, they're ready. So Cleveland, uh, they're, they're uh, they might be in a bit of trouble, but uh, home cooking usually serves you well. Yeah, it's the, it's the old adage as they used to say, you know, game three, the
1: crowd will be hot. All you got to do is just hold on. Don't go down by any ridiculous number and just kind of hold on and, you know, and let them play that energy out. And then you got got, you know, a 50-50 game. If you can wind up, you know, under 10 by halftime, you got a chance to actually win that game. So it'll be interesting to see how the Cavs come in and how the Celtics come out for game three. All right. Before game two last night, we had the NBA draft lottery. I sent this out to you in our show notes or whatever. You know, the NBA can't stop teams from tanking. Like, they just haven't come up with some sort of system. And I heard on some sports talk radio show, I don't want to give the dude's name who I heard it on because I just don't like the person. Um, but the idea was is that the NBA would have some sort of like play-in tournament for the non uh, – like a, a one-game elimination tournament for the non-playoff teams, and then that would determine your uh, – you know, which pick that you would get in the draft. So put them all in there, play them out based on their records, and then who if you win the tournament, you get the number one seed, your runner-ups, number two seed, and so forth and so on. Do you think that would be – I mean, I don't think the NBA would do it, but the, it seems like at least a more reliable idea than, you know, watching these teams, you know, roll out some people that shouldn't even be playing basketball in the latter part of the year.
0: Well, it is, uh, you know, I love the thought process. At least people are trying to think outside the box to come up with an idea to prevent the tanking, to stop the tanking. So the thought process is great. You know, however, that particular idea, I, I don't see that happening. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. They, uh NBA will continue uh, to uh, ponder that idea. They need to do something and not be afraid to try something as outlandish as that idea, you know, don't be afraid to step out there and make something happen. There has to be something done to try to prevent teams from from uh, tanking, from doing just as they did. Although uh, you can expect teams to do it more and more, especially after seeing uh, it pay dividends in Philadelphia. So that, if anything, might have uh, – the process may hurt the NBA process I'm trying to stop it because teams see, hey, it worked for them, why can't it work for us? Yeah. Um
1: yeah, it it it's it's such a terrible system now because it, I mean people are just literally just rolling out like ten day contract players in the latter part of the year just to get through the season. Um all right, so the Suns wind up winning the draft lottery. <laughs> I'm gonna lean on you hard for some of these names because I don't watch as much college basketball as I used to. Um, uh, the thought process is being I think is it is it DeAndre Ayton, uh, the player from Arizona that the Suns may pick, or they may pick the guy from Europe uh, who has a connection. I can't remember that dude's
0: name at all. Uh, but... well, we got uh, you know the the big man coming back. You mentioned DeAndre Ayton, uh, you know seven footer out of Arizona. Uh, you got Mo Bamba out of Texas. You know he'll probably go high in the lottery as well. Uh, Marvin Bagley Jr. out of Duke, Wendell Carter, uh, both gentlemen from Duke, you know, big men. You know, I like the idea of big men coming back and not necessarily your stretch big men who want to play on the perimeter. Uh, These guys can get down low, kind of old school style. I'll compare Aiton to uh, a young Shaq. We'll see if he can develop into an older Shaq, but uh, right now, he can be definitely compared to an LSU type of Shaq player, in my opinion. Uh, he's got all the skill, um, but will his skill set be, you know, new millennium type basketball where more yeah. is on the perimeter? So we'll see what happens. But I do expect, uh, you know, Phoenix to take him with the number one pick. You mentioned uh, Luka Doncic from Slovenia, 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 I believe. Yeah. Uh You Slovenia. know, a lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of players or a lot of teams, you know, uh, are speaking highly of him. But, you know, then also some teams are wondering, is he going to be Darko Milicic or is he going to be Kristaps Porzingis? So, you know, you never know with uh, the players coming from Europe. They seem to have all the tools. uh, But, you know, when they get over to play in the United States, does it translate to NBA basketball? I think we'll still wait and see. But I think somebody will roll the dice on uh Doncic from uh Slovenia. But uh the sleeper in my opinion is Michael Carter Jr. from Missouri. Six nine, six ten. Only played uh in the tournament, you know, because of uh injury, a back injury. Um but uh prior to his uh, freshman year at Missouri probably was thought to be likely the number one overall pick but teams are hesitant. Because of the injury, is he okay? Is he ready to play? Is he good to go? Uh, You know, I think a team, teams will pass on him in the first couple picks, but I bet whoever does end up with uh, Michael Carter Jr., they will be very happy uh, if he's healthy. He is um, a talented player and um, expect big things out of him. You know, Cleveland ended up with the number eight pick. You know, what are they going to do? Not not what they were hoping for. They thought the Brooklyn pick would be much higher uh, in the lottery, You're down in the eight range. You know, who knows what you'll get at that point in the lottery. But think about Donovan Mitchell was uh, 13th overall pick out of Louisville. So uh, you never know. Uh, but the draft lottery is uh, an exciting time, at least to see where you fall. But then after that, who knows what's going to happen when they're actually picked. Yeah. it's And it, we've talked about this before, about how, A lot of these players
1: aren't ready for, you know, after one college season, maybe uh, they're not ready for, you know, kind of real man basketball. It takes them a little bit of time to develop their bodies and whatnot to get ready for the NBA, especially it seems like sometimes the big men tend to struggle a little bit more, you know, because they're used to being the biggest, strongest dude on the floor. And, you know, when you get down low like that, there's a lot of big, strong dudes. So sometimes it's a for back to get buckets. Who do you think is the most
0: NBA-ready player that's ready to come in and maybe who's the most overrated? Well, I think Marvin Bagley falls into what you just mentioned, not being physically ready. I think his skills are ready. He's uh, long and he can jump too. And so you give him that athleticism. But uh, physically, I don't think he's ready. He's kind of kind of thin. So is he ready to bang down low at 6'11"? Or is he going to be one of those stretch type four players? Um, You know, we'll wait to see on that. But I think Aiton, you know, from Arizona is physically ready. He's a big man, you know, that coming from Arizona, he is ready uh, to play. Again, my only question will be the style of play. He is a, a post player and, you know, which would be, quote, unquote, old school in the post seven-footer drop it down with his back to the basket. You know, we don't see that too much these days, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, will we see it uh, in Phoenix uh, if they do drafting? You know, uh, he's a talent. He's a talent. Um, He kind of let some folks down in the NCAA tournament, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, when he gets to the big time in the NBA. Yeah. Is anybody you think overrated? I know people are on this Trey Young
1: thing, and it seems like – (laughs) the he could not live up to that hype train. You know, they kept trying to put that Steph Curry label on him and he just couldn't live up to it, at least in terms of making the team any better.
0: He's a volume shooter, man. And for his size, he's, uh, he's definitely on the overrated possibility. I mean, he definitely shows some ability. His range is cross half court and he's ready to shoot, uh, like a Curry. Um, but then his ability to create his own shots, um, more with bigger bodies in the nba will that be uh something he can do once again somebody maybe physically uh not ready but then a lot was said about steph perry as well when he came to the nba as well so mm-hmm. uh he can shoot it so that's always a plus but at his size he'll also be you know a point guard as well so that's um you know he's an interesting pick uh some even uh, have him at the eighth slot uh, in the early mock drafts going to the Cavaliers, but uh, we'll see. Uh, he's um, He needs to put a little more bulk and um, be able to create off the dribble, in my opinion. Yeah, it'll be interesting about the
1: conversations at that point by the time they pick LeBron should have made, you know, the decision part three uh, at that point. So it'll be very interesting to see how, uh, you know, if he stays in Cleveland and, you know, what effect that will have on the pick that they get at eight. All right. right. Let's head out to the Western Conference. Uh, We said on this podcast the last time we recorded, man, the Rockets really need to win game one. And then you text me the night of the game, like (laughs) the Rockets really need to win game one. They go Uh, and lose by 13 points uh, to the Doves, uh, lose home court advantage that they worked so hard for all year. Everything's been focused on this. And it's not like they came out and laid an egg. The game was, you know, relatively close until the last few minutes. Uh, but Houston goes down, uh, lose home court, big game two tonight. Uh, Harden goes off, CP3 goes off, but it turned into isolation basketball, which is it seems like what the Warriors wanted them to do.
0: Yeah, I, I watched the game and, and said at, at this current rate, there's no way the Rockets uh, – can keep up. There's no way they can keep making the shots. They were Harden hit some great shots, but there was no way he could keep it up. There was not enough contribution from others on the court, you know, Harden. Okay, I'm going to take it up top. They tried to get anybody, whoever was guarding, or whoever Steph Curry was guarding, uh, would seem to be the one they want to attack. You know, they always tried to switch. Uh, James Harden to get Steph Curry to guard him, and he did take advantage, and he took Curry to the hole many a time, uh, set up a few uh, alley-oops for Capella, but just not enough uh, ball movement for the Rockets, just not enough, just a lot of standstill, watch Harden at the top of the key, watch Paul at the top of the key, and then uh, go crash a rebound if they miss that depends too much on how your shooting percentage is. And we knew eventually uh, they would start to miss some shots. And when that happened, you saw what happened in the third quarter where uh, Golden State kind of took control and definitely did in the fourth. Um, I predicted five in this series. And, and you I, did. <laughs> I'm standing by it. Uh, I, Houston had to win game one from a psyche point of view, from a mental point of view. Uh, but now they're they're looking up, you know. They're like, oh, man, we fought so hard to get home court, and we lost it that quick. And so now it's a, a mental battle, and I don't think it's one they're ready to, to face. Um, I think they may go down 0-2 tonight unless you get more contribution from the likes of Eric Gordon, from the likes of Ryan Anderson. Off the bench has to play some minutes. Uh, Trevor Ariza has to stay out of foul trouble uh, if anybody can cause uh, Kevin Durant to pause on Diaz Trevor Ariza, you kept having Chris Paul match against uh, Kevin Durant. There's absolutely no way, you know, he's going to battle and he pushed him around a couple times, got in his face, said some words, but can he stop Kevin Durant's shot? That is an absolute no. So uh, the Rockets got to make some uh, uh, some changes, Mike D'Antoni. Uh, You talk about coaching; he needs to make some coaching adjustments because this could get out of hand quickly.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm not a real big fan of Mike D'Antoni as the X and O coach or whatever either. But there was also Draymond takes an early tack on uh, Harden, you know, gives him a nice shove, you know, set the tone early for the game. Uh, You know, he winds up only getting I think five points in the game, but I mean, you know, his contributions are all over the place and all over the floor. Uh, I sent that magic stat out in terms of the Rockets. Uh, I saw this stat on ESPN. They went over 70% of their games when they when they make 15 or more three-pointers. But if they mess less than that, then they lose, you know, a good percentage of their games. And the last game, Monday night, they wind up shooting, getting 13 three-pointers. Uh, no assists or three-pointers from either Chris Paul or James Harden, which seems incredible that as many times that he gets to the hole and kicks out, nobody could make, you know, knock down, you know, an open three or an uncontested three um yeah they're in trouble i i i kind of feel the same way about a game two tonight like i said before you know all golden state has to do with hold on and not go down some ridiculous number in the first quarter or the first half because if it's close um we're going to be having those conversations about james harden and chris paul about them
0: being that dude that you can't win with Well, I think those conversations are definitely out there already for Chris Paul, for sure, usually because he was hurt, but now he's playing, and, um, you know, he's just not doing it. He's a free agent at the end of the year, so he might be uh, making a decision of his own if things don't change. Um, But, yeah, uh, James Harden, he's, you know, there's just too much ISO, too much drive and kick or drive and lob. That's it. That's how that, that was the only uh, offense. They weren't even running the the high pick and roll. So no. there has to be some has to be some coaching adjustments uh, from uh, last year's NBA Coach of the Year. We'll see if uh, he can earn that uh, for this series right now because uh, the Rockets have to make some changes if they want to make this a series. Yeah. Nine o'clock tip off tonight. Eight o'clock. Central time in Houston or whatever.
1: But, yes, it will be interesting to see what happens there. All right. Let's get into our next to last segment here. It is uh, best player ever as we go through the NBA teams uh, alphabetically, looking at the best players ever. Last week was the Miami Heat. Uh, we went through the Heat and settled definitely on Dwayne Wade, even though I've had to bump for Zoe because I had to. All right. Uh, this week, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, this is going to be interesting based on age. If you are an older listener to this podcast, um, it's a no question. It's Lou Alcindor or it's Oscar Robinson, I mean, period. That, there's not even, like, a debate about these types of things. Like, it's not, okay? But modern NBA basketball, um, you're probably not going to be able to settle on that. And as I was thinking and as I was looking and I was doing my researching, um, even though Milwaukee fell on some hard times a few years ago, they have had a fairly solid history of threes, st well, ones, twos, threes, and fours. They've had some very solid players at those positions. And even though they won their championship a long time ago, they've got a great history of some fairly solid players, especially at the uh, shooting
0: guard and forward position. Yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks, are, um, they did win the championship in the 71 season with, uh, you know, Kareem with a, the big old Oscar Robinson. But I can't say either one of them as, the best Milwaukee Bucks in the franchise, Uh, Oscar Robinson was only with Milwaukee four years. You know, he came over from the Cincinnati Royals. Or you can, uh, you know, Kareem is uh, definitely known as more of a Laker. He was with Milwaukee for six. So I can't say either one of them, although obviously they did hang the banner uh, in the early 70s. But you got lots of names to throw out there. You got Marcus Johnson, Bob Lanier, you know, former number one Terry Cummings, you know, the, probably the first point forward, uh, Paul Pressey, a name, you know. Uh, those would be some names you can throw out. But, you know, got to mention the big dog, Glenn Robinson, you know, former number one pick uh, out of Purdue, gave eight solid years to the Bucks franchise, uh, averaged 21 a game, second all-time leading scorer in the history uh, of Milwaukee Bucks. However, uh, probably the best Milwaukee Buck in history is not going to be a name people are really familiar with unless you're a true basketball junkie. He had a great poster in the in the eighties. I'm going to go with Sidney Moncrief. Mm-hmm. Sidney Moncrief as the best Milwaukee Buck in history. Ten year career with the Bucks. He was a five time all NBA selection, a five time all star, five time all defensive first team, two time defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Um only average sixteen and five. You would say those numbers are the best of a, a player in a franchise, but he was the glue for those teams in the eighties. Uh there were some great teams, you know, led by Don Nelson coaching. Uh, they just couldn't get past the Sixers or the Celtics in the 80s. You know, you had Larry Bird and Kevin McHale with Boston, or you had Dr. J and Moses Malone and company in Philly. So had it not been for those guys, Milwaukee would have been right there because they were a, a, a very good team. They just weren't a great team. So they had some good teams, and a lot of those teams were led by Sidney Moncrief. So in my opinion, I would go with Sidney Moncrief as the number one player in Milwaukee Bucks history.
1: Yeah, you brought up Terry Cummings, who was one of my favorite players growing up. I'm thinking about, oh, Paul Presley used to play with him as well. You know, Ray Allen had his stint there for the Bucks as well. Um, Ray Allen. Yeah, I was thinking Jack Sigma. I was looking at his stats. I mean, he's been almost a dang-on Hall of Famer. Like, of
0: people with his stats,
1: he's close
0: to being a dang-on Hall of Famer. Ain't nobody mentions that, you know, Jack Sigma. Yeah, Jack Sigma, you know, his career was pretty much split with Seattle, and he had some great years with Milwaukee as well. Uh, he was a, definitely a solid player, a solid player. Again, probably in the hall of very good, but just yeah. not great. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, he's a solid player. Another name, Michael Red, a solid player. Yeah. His career uh, probably derailed by some injury. Uh, but he was a solid player for Milwaukee. So definitely, you know, uh, Alvin Robinson, and, uh, you know, we can go down the list. Uh, Very good players. They just never had that guy to put him over the hump. Um, So that's uh, the curse, if you will. But that's why they brought Oscar Robertson in when they did. They said, oh, we got something with Kareem. He just needs a little bit of help. And that's what got him over the hump to win that title in the early 70s. So, yeah. um, they weren't able to do it in the 80s, but Sidney Moncrief was an outstanding player for Milwaukee Buck franchise. Huh. Yeah, I,
1: I can I can live with that one too. That was one of my top ones as well. Okay, all right, Bucks fans, we'll put it out there. Again, you had to be a certain age uh, to be thinking about you know Kareem and Oscar, but you know us 80s folks or whatever. Yeah, those are some really good teams, and yeah, just no superstar could not get past any of those uh, those really good teams that had you know, at least one superstar and oftentimes two. So all right, Bucks fans. All right, man, as we start to hit to the wrap up here, uh go ahead and explain this
0: Jay-Z song and why you picked it. Jay-Z, coming of age, uh, off the reasonable doubt, CD in nineteen ninety six. Um, you know, with some help from Memphis Bleak, this song was about the up and comer, the 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 new rapper in this case on the scene, uh Memphis Bleak uh, you know, coming, uh, under Jay-Z. So, uh, I picked this song because the Celtics, are they coming of age? Are they those guys, uh, that are ready? You know, they're, this is their time, you know, one of the lyrics, one of the lines from the song, you know, saying it's time to come up, you know, and stick out my chest and make some loot. Uh, and, you know, and they said, and, they got to stand on their own, too. And I think Boston is uh, doing just that. The uh, young guns are coming of age. You know, uh, 20-year-old Jason Tatum, 21-year-old. Uh, Jalen Brown, 24-year-old. Marcus Smart, 24-year-old. Terry Rozier. Uh, the young guns are definitely coming of age. So that is the reason for the song. Jay-Z, with the help of Memphis Bleak, coming of age. Nice. Uh, good call. I- I'll I'll take it. I'll allow it.
1: This is Me and Jay-Z, not friends. <laughs> we not friends. Uh, there was one other thing, too, and I kind of mentioned this. I wanted to mention it in the Eastern Conference part, and you kind of talked about it here with them being young guns. You know, it does seem to be a process for teams winning championships in the NBA is where you start at a certain point, you keep your team together, and then the team that's ahead of you um, kind of gets old. You know, and the big, you know, and the little dog finally beats the big dog, you know, the little brother finally beats the big brother, or the son beats the dad, or whatever. Whatever analogy you want to use, you know, we saw it all throughout the 80s and the 90s as well as those teams, you know, they took their lumps, they lost, they did what they had to do, and they finally get the come up. You know, well, the Celtics lose to, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers last year 4 1 in the Eastern Conference Finals. This year they come back with a completely different team and probably a little bit of a completely different attitude as well going up against uh, LeBron because they're not scared, like, at all. Like, you see them and compared to the Raptors who were literally afraid and shook in their boots with LeBron. The Celtics ain't afraid, and um, they're taking it to him. And, it, you know, this really does follow the progression, you know. Like, hey, we got through that hurdle,
0: and now we're on to the championship. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's definitely a fair comparison, except for the only thing I'll say is, like you said, it's a different Boston team from a year ago. Yeah, it's a rematch, but it's just not the same guys. You know, only Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, you know, are returning from, from a year ago. So you got pretty much a whole – and a Horford, excuse me, uh, you know, returning from a year ago. So it's a pretty much a new team. Yeah, same, same uniforms, but uh, different guys. Um, you know, stepping up. So, yeah, but so these guys didn't really take the lumps that you mentioned, uh, but they're giving out their own lumps right now. So um, big shout-out to the Celtics. But can they uh, finish the deal to make it to the finals? Uh, We'll wait and see. All right. All right, so as Jay-Z starts to play us out, you can find me, Will Stacks. That's at Will Stacks, W-I-L-L-S-T-A-C-K-S. On Instagram, let me know what you think of this week in the NBA or last night in the NBA as we are in the playoffs, or you can find me on Twitter, that's at Mr. 77 Give us your thoughts on the show. Give us your thoughts on the best Milwaukee Bucks player in history. Do you agree? Do you disagree with what I had to say? Let me know your thoughts. All right. Uh,
1: remember, you'll be able to find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I don't know. Just search at Brothers Comics. Uh, uh, you know, you'll be able to find this podcast as many as the other shows that we do have on the network. Um, you can find at Brothers Comics on um, on Twitter at b r o t h a s c o m i c s on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook at Brothers Comics. Uh, just search it up. And, yeah, man, find the show, share the show. Uh, We're going to be wrapping up here fairly soon as we start thinking about this the other day. I was like, hey, man, we're really at the end of the NBA season here. We're almost to the finals, almost about to turn the clock in June, where it's that time of the year. So, uh, yeah, find the show, share it, like it, do all those types of things. We really appreciate it. All right. So as Jay-Z starts (laughs) to play us out, all right, Mr. Knowles is is playing us out, man. That's
0: it. Jay-Z is playing us out. And just like Jay-Z, Will Sachs is out, Ace.
1: All right, y'all. Peace. I am um, have Jay-Z go make Beyonce a plate. All right. Peace, y'all.